Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast after testing edition. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Tommy. Welcome to Katie. Welcome to Frank the dog who is sat on Tommy's <laughs> lap from the beginning of this podcast. Uh, just in case you're wondering what that furry thing was on the founder, WTF1 founder, sorry's lap. Um, welcome. Of course, wearing your fluorescent sort of orangey vibe jumper as well. Really going yep. on that, that McLaren, Max hype train. McLaren or Max, let you decide. We all know what it is. Max, <laughs> Come on. But with a Max cape behind you, yeah. Yeah, true. The guitar's, hit, the guitar's retired now after uh, testing. <laughs> oh. And Katie, the WTF on author, you've gone for more neutral colours today. You're not particularly supporting anyone? No, I have uh, pink nails. Maybe that's to do with Alpine or something. I don't know. Mm, potentially, potentially. Yeah. But only for the first two races of the season. Yeah. Like, properly. <laughs> uh, anyway, we are going to basically run you through questions uh, that you had from F1 testing, shakedown, whatever it was. Um, but first, before we do that, we actually have had our final car launch of the year. And it's come from Alfa Romeo, who, for whatever reason, decided, you know what? Hey, guys, right, let's let's schedule this. When should be a really good time that everybody's going to tune in? OK, Sunday at 8 a.m. Well, for, at least for UK audience. I, obviously, I'm sure there are thinking around different areas of the world in Guan Yuzhou, of course. But that doesn't yeah. help us. <laughs> yeah other other time zones exist but but what I, what I will say is it was definitely the least hyped um obviously it's easy for us to say with a very european based um audience but obviously my twitter uh i was <laughs> up sunday morning uh and uh yeah an 8am car reveal and there was just no no one on twitter was talking about it and i think a lot of it as well um obviously you know even if it had been Monday or or whatever. Um, the fact that it was a Sunday as well, um, a lot of journalists and people in the media, including us, were absolutely shattered from yeah. three days of F1 testing uh, and wanted a little uh, weekend to sort of uh, recharge our batteries. And then they were just like, 8 a.m. Uh, and then they just dropped the pictures uh, half an hour before they were going to do a press conference, which was even more of a surprise. So it was all a bit like, what I think we got the we got the pictures out before Alfa Romeo. That's how like sort of so clearly someone it was. clearly someone at Alfa Romeo has gone. I want to go back to bed. Uh, so here's <laughs> your pictures. Do with the do with them what you will. Um, but yeah, anyway, over to the car. Uh, although yeah, I still don't understand why Sunday was the day. Why not Monday? Why not just wait a day? Anyway, the actual car itself, pretty juicy. I think the main talking point out of that was the, the personalized wheel covers. Now that looked very nice indeed going out a lot of people likening it to a pokemon ball which uh, I, I i found quite funny um but generally speaking it's a, it a solid looking car i think it's a it's a nice sort of it's a new feel but it also looks nice and uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of it so i think i gave the alpha an 8.5 out of 10 uh, so i was i was a big fan yeah they're getting bonus points for the for the the wheel covers it was cool wasn't it 
yeah it was really nice I've given them a nine out of ten because I just really like the livery because it's just so simple like I've always enjoyed the like white and the burgundy colors that they've got going on but they've jazzed it up a little bit more this year a bit more of retro vibes um and yeah I really love it but yeah the wheel covers did definitely boost it up higher it's cool one thing Tommy what was your out of ten uh I'd probably give it an eight uh, what, okay. I give it a, a, a bit it definitely got a bit okay, more fair. it definitely got more bonus points for the wheel covers because they are the only team I've seen that made made them look good and done something cool with them whereas everyone else has tried to hide them just paint them black and, mm. and pretend they don't exist whereas Alpha have gone you know what Pokeballs and actually one thing that's quite funny is they put a video up of their car coming out the pits and when it's at slow speed the white really stands out and it looks like a loading bar because it's spinning around oh, and yeah. uh, it looks quite funny um, but yeah, it was quite cool. I like it. And that was actually the question from Bernard Spiteri. So I apologise for jumping the gun on that one. But um, we have given uh, all our ratings now. And it was, yeah, a, an overall positive opinion, wasn't it, of the Alfa Romeo? Um, can't really And it be didn't said. get leaked. So it didn't. Well, they just gave out the pictures just yeah. randomly half an hour <laughs> before for everybody else in media. But um, same that probably can't be said in terms of positivity regarding their actual uh, test, which is what we'll get on to. Uh, well, whilst we now move to those three days of glorious testing that we watched every minute of, didn't we? It was great. You know, we, testing shakedown. Down. Oh, sorry. No, it wasn't even shakedown. What was it? Pre. What was the official terminology? I can't remember because they literally wrote F1 testing on the timing. Time. I know. I know. Which is insane, isn't it? But that's because they probably couldn't fit F1 shakedown. They could have just put shakedown, but then that maybe didn't make sense. F1 Either way, do. they didn't really know what they were doing, did they? Uh, with regards to labeling it and, and whatnot and trying to hide the fact that clearly there was something at play here that they don't want us all to talk about whether that's money exchanging we don't know but they've never uh, fully confirmed that but as for testing we'll call it testing because otherwise it gets very very confusing um we of course were doing our live stream so thank you everybody for tuning into that if you joined any part of the 24 hours we did over the three days um my voice was very much on the ropes by the end of that I actually went out for dinner that evening and could feel my voice just just about giving way when I was just talking and I was like oh no this is it my my voice is gone but uh, thank you everybody for for joining that it really was an awesome thing to bring you and uh, we will be doing similar sort of stuff uh, for testing coming up in a couple of weeks but uh, we will confirm exactly what we're doing uh, for that very soon so let's reflect uh, the Anna Cox asks if teams can't find a solution to the porpoising that fits in the 2022 regs will the FIA change the regs accordingly now porpoising for those that maybe haven't kept up to date with the testing that's fair not enough watched it hasn't, video, been, huh, it hasn't been yeah maybe not that or maybe they just didn't watch any of the weight and nothing on tv so therefore just ignored it but porpoising was the in a very basic terms the cars were bouncing up and down uh, on the straight uh, due to uh, the the ground effect um that the philosophy that they've got on the cars now so it just kept basically yeah, bobbing up and down. You would have seen Formula One, I'm sure, posting some videos, especially Charles Leclerc bouncing down the straight and causing some serious uh, issues with that. And of course, that's the thing that teams need to fix. It's not something that's ideal for them. Um, and the and the question about Anna Cox, um, there are solutions from what Formula One teams have said. You know, there are setup changes they can make, etc. But it's about fixing it to a degree in which it doesn't lose them a huge amount of time. I think we saw Williams had a had holes in their side pods where they were basically trying to fix that solution uh, where they could, yeah, that the airflow was, was better spread out. I'm 
getting very aerodynamical aerodynamical here that's a word um that definitely does not exist um but yeah that there are basically there are fixes uh from my understanding what the teams have said there are obviously fixes that the FIA could bring in as well, like um, active suspension and things like that, that George Russell, I think, has come out recently and said that it's something that, you know, could potentially fix the porpoising problem. So there are definitely solutions. I feel like the FIA will just say, fix your cars. We're not changing anything. And so they should. Yeah. If you've got a problem, deal with it. These are the rules. You make a car based on the rules. And yeah, I, I don't I don't see why the FIA should should step in. Some teams haven't got, you know, like, it's not fair on the teams that have one sorted it and two, you know, it's up to them to make their cars work in that way. And you can complain about safety issues all you want, then like change your car and fix it then. Because, um, yeah, for me, uh, I think it's actually, I heard that McLaren maybe don't even have any problems at all with it, which is quite strange. Uh, and Ferrari fixed it already. So yeah, McLaren Ferrari master plan underway already. <laughs> And, and McLaren didn't understand why they didn't have the problem as well, which just kind of shows how difficult this is to to kind of figure out in the simulations. Yeah, but yeah, I don't want to see like the teams um, just be like, oh no, we our car's really good, but we've got this issue, so please change the rules to make no. No, I don't want that personally. I don't think they should do that. It is unusual that none of the teams seemed to pick up on this when they were trying their car, testing it, putting it in the wind tunnels, whatever it might have been. But I mean, porpoising isn't a new phenomenon. Like it's something that has been part of Formula One with these ground effect cars previously. The phrase was coined by Mario Andretti when he did a test of the Lotus 80 in Silverstone, I learned over the weekend. And that was a ground effect car. So it's not exactly like it's a brand new thing that's just been discovered. Like it's got history behind it so um we'll have to see what happens but yeah by looking at the the drivers in the cars like you say they're bobbing up and down um they look like <laughs> like a roller coaster but they look like one of those little bobble heads that you put you know like um on your car or whatever and they bobble away but um yeah we'll have to see what happens because some drivers like George Russell said that it could be safety concerns other drivers like Bottas have said nah it's fine like just it'll be fine just pipe down um but it is a thing that we've seen like an Imola a few years ago it wasn't down to porpoising but Kevin Magnussen had an issue with his gearbox which meant that every time he upshifted he smacked his head on the back of the car and he ended up having to retire because he got such a bad migraine when he had this uh this issue with his car and if we see that uh consistently happen with the guys in the cars you know having to have their head bobble and things like that, it's going to be incredibly uncomfortable. And it might be that some of these drivers, if they can't sort it, I mean, we might see some retirements from drivers just feeling so like nauseous or got such a bad headache. Um, but hopefully during these uh, few weeks we've got before bar and testing and then the first race of the season, the teams will probably be doing everything they can to try and sort it out. Imagine when we get the, you know, the like wiki pages when it says like, retirements and you've got like 10 drivers and it just says headache from the first uh <laughs> the reason for retirement yeah i yeah. guess the porpoising could maybe uh vary as well depending on what which track we go to uh that's another thing that they can't test really you know of course we're going to have bahrain and we're going to have spain in terms of pre-season testing but you know they can't test the entire calendar to see where porpoising potentially uh, is is better or worse um i i can't see it being as bad as as retiring drivers because, I mean, they did 
many, many laps over the last three days. You know, Verstappen did 140 or whatever it was in, in one day. So clearly there's, you know, there, there is room for, for the drivers to, to work around it. But at the same time, the Formula One cars won't be allowed to, to race like that. It'd be like, you know, they're all racing on a bouncy car. So I, I genuinely don't think Formula One would allow that to happen. And they'll tell the teams to um, fix it to a certain parameter. And, you know, if the car bounces more than a certain amount, it's probably going to be deemed unsafe. Funny that George Russell's saying like, oh, you know, it's going to be unsafe. Maybe that's because Mercedes are struggling very much to figure out why their car does it. And they want it to be, you know, they want teams to be given a helping hand. There's plenty of politics at play with Formula One teams and how, you know, Bottas is like, that's ah, fine, mate. You know, it's because Alpha like, yeah, don't worry, we'll sort it. Plenty of stuff that teams will try and do to, to get the FIA on side for their car. Uh, next question, uh, Ross Bella 16 asks, do you think reliability will play a big part in the championship with it being the first year of a new set of regulations? A lot of teams seem to be struggling with problems in the first testing session. It's a good question. I don't think it, reliability is going to play near as much a part as maybe some people are expecting. You know, you compare it to the new set of regulations back in 2014, but that was very much the changes of the engine. You know, these are, you know, majorly around the aerodynamic side of things, which I think teams are just trying to get their head around. They're just trying to understand why the cars react in the way it is. You know, they can test certain things in the wind tunnel, but when you actually get out on track, that's when you fully understand what your car's capable of. So, I think it's just merely ironing out these these little issues. I think by the time we actually get to round one and, and see that, you know, see the calendar year, that's when, you know, teams will, will have probably worked it out. Maybe in the first few races, there might be a few, but I don't see it being a problem throughout the season, though. Now, I was very pleasantly surprised at the reliability we saw in the shakedown slash test slash whatever you want to call it, um, because there were rumours that the shakedown was being kept behind closed doors because they were worried these cars were going to make it six foot out the pit lane and then come to a halt and all this sort of stuff. But we saw our first red flag like a day and a bit into the shakedown. We didn't have a single red flag, a single stoppage on the first day. The first person to have an issue was for Sergio Perez, who had a gearbox issue. And although there are a few little hydraulics issues here and there, I say a few little, uh, Alonso had a hydraulics issue, which then <laughs> set his car on fire on Thursday. So not, not such a small problem, but um, generally there wasn't anything that I would, would call alarming it think it was just a few little things here and there um but i don't think famous last words that this whole new shake-up is going to be affecting the reliability as much because as you mentioned the last time we had a really big shake-up was the changes to the power units and obviously that's a lot more of an internal thing and um there's maybe is it fair to say a lot more that can go wrong inside that power unit than on the outside of a car so i think Especially we're going to be McLaren okay Honda. <laughs> yes <laughs> uh yeah i was surprised actually that um people were so uh caught up with the reliability thing because yeah a lot of the re reliability issues come from the inner workings of of a car not how it looks on the outside and obviously you know unless the the new look aero uh i guess porpoising was was the main thing that was i guess a concern with the new aero but unless you know front wings are falling off because of the shape of them and stuff. You're not going to get reliability issues. It's still going to be gearbox engine. So I, no... I, I probably say on that, that obviously, you know, with the aerodynamic side of things and maybe ground effects and starting to learn that whole concept again is, is the, the aspects of overheating as well and things like that, where they try and risk certain areas and then they're not getting, because we saw, didn't we, a few, di a few different cars testing different cooling solutions. So maybe that's another Putting, yeah. small factor as well. 
yeah, and side pods has been a, another thing where people <laughs> teams would have no side pods if they could. I, I imagine if they could uh, cool it, cool the car. So um, it's uh, yeah, the the it's not as extreme as uh, 2014 when you had uh, a V8 normal a normal a normal <laughs> v8 engine uh, and then went to a very complicated v6 turbo hybrid and then that was when we saw that yeah teams managed 10 laps or whatever um but yeah it's uh um yeah they've done all right there's not not been a, any huge amounts and yeah we saw as soon as we said that on our testing stream that's when everyone started breaking down and going off uh because we jinxed that yeah, five red flags, five red flags in one session, yeah. and I wasn't there, so I'm blaming you guys. Yeah, we we did. It, yeah, we hundred percent did. <laughs> I, I was even talking about how uh, I want to see Alonso do really well, and that's when his fire started. <laughs> you may think you know Harry's, but it's way more than just a super sharp razor company. They're here to revamp your whole routine from close shaves and flake-free hair all the way to clear, healthy skin. Harry's helps guys feel good. Harry's offering a free travel size shower gel with a trial set to you, our WTF1 listeners, to give you a chance to try other products as well as shave. So what is in the trial set? Well, there's an expertly engineered weighted handle, one five blade cartridge, a handy foaming shave gel for effective lubrication, travel blade cover for life's adventures and a free shower gel just for you. Harry's shower gels, face wash and skincare products can be added to shave plans anytime, anywhere. Why not give your own shower shave a go by redeeming a free Harry's trial set? All you cover is £3.95 for delivery. Just go to harrys.com forward slash WTF1 to have your set delivered and start a shave plan. Your freebie will be added at checkout. That's harrys.com forward slash WTF1. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and WTF1 listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash WTF1. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash WTF1. Right, uh, next question. I feel like you've definitely baited me with this name, uh, Tommy, because I'm absolutely oh, not reading no. that Oh, no, sorry. I've, uh, so I we're just going to go with Magnum Louder. Um, how much do you believe these new tyres are going to play a part in 2022? Sorry, I Mario genuinely didn't so- check. Take that name. <laughs> How much do you believe these new tyres are going to play a part in 2022? Mario Asola from Pirelli has said the new philosophy is for less deg and overheating, overheating, allowing drivers and teams to push more. Tyres can make or break a season regarding entertainment. What are your thoughts? Well, less deg. And mm-hmm. I, I guess it's more kind of going down the, the route of if that is the case, we'll go down the route of what we saw you know, many years ago with Bridgestones where they could go and attack for, for much more. And I guess it does work if the, if the cars can overtake, if the cars can follow and they can, you know, be constantly pushing, it will work. But if not, something that we rely on is tires degrading in order to give us overtakes. 
So it really does lean on, you know, whether the 2022 F1 cars can follow, can provide us with overtaking, because if that's the case, then we'll see a lot more battling because then they'll be able to actually push and continue to push even if they've just been overtaken. So it's very much relying on the combination. If one's right and one's wrong, it's going to, it's not going to work. They both need to be on the same level because if the cars can't overtake, then you need tires that do degrade. If the cars, cars can, then it's fine to have non-degrading, not non-degrading, less degrading tires. So yeah, it's going to be going to be an interesting one, but we're not going to, we're not really going to find out until, until we get racing. Yeah. This is my biggest concern with the new rules, I guess that, yeah, if we if we have these bulletproof uh, Pirellis, that it kind of hurts the strategy side of it. Where you know, even if the cars, I'd, I'd argue that even if the cars are really good at overtaking and can pass and uh, can run a lot closer, you'd argue, you know, in a race where, let's say, the best team are Mercedes, then Ferrari, then Red Bull, or whatever, um, they'll all qualify in the front row um, of the grid the slower teams at the back, where's the overtaking coming from? Because the and fast Q2 cars are tire all as well gone. Yeah. So like they're, they're all going to, yeah. Will the strategy change in that sense? Because if, if we're just doomed to a one stop and everyone starts uh, on the same tires, hopefully not um, because of the, yeah, you say the Q2 tire rule, but I really hope we don't see that strategy side go because even if the cars can overtake and can follow a lot better, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, say, say like Sebastian Vettel being fifth behind Max Verstappen, who's fourth, uh, the Red Bull's the faster car. Vettel can't overtake mm. because he's in a slower car. It, it doesn't matter if they can follow each other better. Like, uh, what, what we relied on in, in the past to get good racing and strategy. If you think of like, particularly a lot of the Hamilton versus Verstappen battles when they couldn't mm. races one, one would switch to a two stop and one stop and you'd be on that threshold. Um, and it would be about tire management. And then you'd see a really fascinating strategy race. And that's how you relied on passing and overtaking and, and that side. So that does concern me that even if they do fix this role and the cars are incredible and can drive close behind, uh, Fastest car starting at the front, slowest car starting at the yeah. back, and a one-stop race. Uh, I don't want. I don't want them to just be within half a second of each other and just do the whole race and go. This is much better because they're a little bit closer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you want to see passing. I guess just one more thing from me is that I guess on the on the flip side, I don't want to be fully negative on the way that which they're going in terms of the new philosophy. But I guess the the problem with this and i'm not saying it's you know that we don't see any mistakes but the problem with these current tires that we have had is that they're constantly just preserving them they're making you know especially in like some monaco and places you can't overtake they are always preserving the tires so they're never at 100 percent capacity of pushing 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 whereas this if they genuinely can push that opens the door for more mistakes so i think that's maybe where we then see some better racing if the tires if the tires are less degrading less overheating but we see them properly going for it, you know, like back in the old day in, you know, the noughties where the drivers would genuinely be absolutely shattered going up to the podium. That's where I think we see more mistakes creep in and potentially better racing that way. So what you're telling me is Monaco is going to be a banger. Cool. Thanks. Good to hear. Thanks. Good to know. Obviously we could, we could, <laughs> they could run around the track and still be rubbish. <laughs>
Now, I think it's been something that alarm bells have been ringing with with tyre strategy and stuff for 2022. I think we were extremely lucky last year, as Tommy mentioned, with some of the Hamilton Verstappen strategy calls. Uh, it was fascinating. It was such an important and integral part of how the season ended up unfolding. Um, but yeah, Mario um, Isola, Isola, sorry, I don't know Isola, which one it is. Isola, oh, the third option. <laughs> um, but he has made it um, quite like known that it's going to be a mix of one stop and two stop two stop two stop (laughs) two stop strategies um but most likely probably going to be one stop strategies um so yeah he said it's true that with a new product and less degradation it is possible we have less pit stops so we will have the majority of the races on a one stop and to me yeah that's concerning because scrapping the q2 tie roll could actually make this whole scenario even worse because I know Tommy is thinking, what, getting rid of the Q2 tire rule is actually gonna, could be a bad thing, but I just have visions of everybody lining up on the grid like everyone on softs and then to go lap 13 everyone's going to pit for hards and that's it that's it's, that's going to be the strategy I'm sure there'll be a few anomalies in there um but yeah I just am worried that we're going to see like just one stops and that's kind of it. And I really am getting into the strategy side of things beforehand. You know, I was so much about the racing on track, but as times have changed and I've got more into like the rules and that kind of side of thing. um, And maybe last year teams were a bit braver with some of their strategy calls because there was much more on the line for it. um, I found it such an interesting part of the weekend. So I'll be properly upset if that has to sort of go because everyone's just going to go for a one stop and that's it yeah it's a good point um i think another thing to throw in if they you know if there is this problem which it very possibly could be there's a way maybe that if, if they want it to have less deg and over less overheating then they could have it so that the gaps between the tires are bigger so there's that you know the soft tire is absolutely rapid but does only last a certain amount of laps than the mediums, you know? So like if there is a bigger, because we, we in, in some um, tracks, you know, the medium and the hard haven't had a huge amount of difference between them in terms of pace difference. I think if we'd had that bigger window, maybe that's how we kind of open up the, the racing a bit more because yeah, that, that, that there are solutions, I think, but make them use all three ones. Easy. Done. <laughs> there you go. Still think that I still just think that's the perfect two stop solution that you make them use all three and then you'll get, you're guaranteed different strategies. Because well, they can use all five. Different... Bring all five compounds. <laughs> Back to four-stop Pirelli era. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I mean, I know logistically it's not ideal to take all five, yeah. five compounds. There. We no. want to cut down our emissions. That'd be, also send... you... That'd be amazing. It would. But, but also, it's funny you mentioned that that side of it, that you know they bin off all the old soft tires that no one wants. Like, use them in the race. Mm. and then And then teams have to use it and just because the computer says they're the worst tire doesn't mean they can just throw them out the window and go no we're not using that some teams might want to you know try something new or use them for two laps and then come in the pits again so that's when you get exciting tire strategy so why they've not done that i don't know yet but i'm going to keep mentioning it like the q2 tire rule until they do do it (laughs) tommy knows that this is the podcast their hub of information is right here Uh, next question actually no this is more just kind of a funny statement to be honest spinala 44 says are the back markers actually going to catch up that's it no no question literally just are they going to catch up um the answer is tbc Has look like they maybe aren't five seconds off the pace this year, but then look, we haven't seen pace at all, really. We might see it on the final day of testing in Bahrain. 
in terms of mileage, Haas and Alfa Romeo were the bottom two, from what I can remember in the tally. So not the best start. Um, but we don't know. I mean, I, you say backmarkers. Haas were the the backmarker. There weren't. There wasn't anyone really in their realm in 2021. They were very much uh, in F2. So. I would like to think they're going to catch up, but I am now much less hopeful that they're going to be a midfield team than potentially they were kind of saying with, with how much time they'd spent uh, trying to fix their car for 22. Yeah, I feel Williams have shown great signs of progression, um, but that's the result of years of hard work. And obviously um, Mercedes have increased their technical partnership with Williams for this year as well going forward. But yeah, I fear for the Ferrari power unit customers because Ferrari in my opinion seem to be quite selfish they're like very much team Ferrari you better be careful don't you, well, don't you be we'll saying Ferrari too much right I'll, I'll, I'll allow one that's it allow one okay um but yeah I fear that we're going to see both their customers um their teams struggle a bit this year with Alfa Romeo and Haas I think they're probably going to be the ones at the back and it might be great if Ferrari go in and win the constructor championship are they really going to care that they've got two of their customer teams struggling at the back? Probably not. So I don't know. I feel like Ferrari need to share the love a little bit more. I know that they've distributed some of the Ferrari team to Haas to help with budget cuts. And, um, you know, Haas have now got a, lo- a location in Maranello, near Maranello. So maybe things will improve for this year. But, um, yeah, I've got a feeling that both of the customer teams are going to be at the back. It's hilarious how everyone thought, yeah, the rules turn on its head. Uh, everyone will be closer. And hold on, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Oh, it's still testing. Yeah. It's still it's still I'm testing. I'm just a massive pessimist. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess the yeah. In terms of like the order, there's there's definitely it's not as extreme as a 2009 situation where um, it doesn't look like an Alpine or you know like even Aston Martin are like yeah we hope to do a little bit better and then I, I heard Alpine after. You know them. Them sort of mentioning El Plan. You know we're going to be the top team, Alonso, to fight for a title. Um, and then they're like, our target is fifth in the constructors' title <laughs> yeah. again. Um, it's a bit like, oh, so you were you were all like, yeah, 2020 regs. This is our chance. And then gone. Actually, it's probably going to be roughly regs. the same. Sorry, 2022 <laughs> regulations uh, is the same. Um, I. In terms of back markers, yeah, they might be a little closer, but still very much looks like Haas now for a bear at the back. And then as for the front, it is a little bit more uh, potentially like you've got Ferrari and McLaren seem to be the two teams that have done quite well. But I would be, I'll say it now, I will be absolutely flabbergasted <laughs> if the top four in the Constructors title, in fact, if the if the top four in the constructors title at any different in any order other than Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren. If they're not the top four in the constructors title, whoever gets in that top four, I will buy a bunch of merchandise from them and I will wow. wear, wear it in the podcast okay. for the final race and apologize. Okay. There's wow, absolutely just... no way that's happening. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> One merch is expensive. Um, wow. I know. Well, I just I'm bankrupt gonna... myself, especially I'm if it's mine. <laughs> I'm going to go against that. And I will say that there will be a different constructor in that top four. Okay. And that, you know, if that isn't the case, I will buy some Ferrari merch. Right. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's me hoping. I really hope it's Alfa Tari and I'll buy a load of Yuki merch. (laughs) 
I'm just going to sit and be quiet. I've made yeah, too many bets no, in this yeah. podcast. Well, you've already got your bet of tattoo, Fernando. To be fair, if you get the tattoo of Fernando Alonso, Tommy's going to have to buy Alpine merch because there's no way for Fernando yeah, winning the world true. title without Alpine getting top four. And if they do, that is, if they don't, that is a shocking uh, team performance from Ocon. Right, moving on. Uh, I think we've covered that the backmarkers probably aren't going to catch up to the degree of anyone really uh, being shocked. Tebow underscore micro says going through all red flags and if they were driver error or technical failing and which one and which would be a worse sign for 2022 racing first impressions of Joe on track. I, I assume Timo just meant he's going through all of them and um, he didn't want us to go through all of them. They were fine. You can go that, through them all. The I mean, if you have that information, I, Katie, have it to I'm, hand. More than, I do. I'm more than happy to go through that. Um, and, and Colin, off you go. Okay, so Sergio Perez had a gearbox issue on Thursday morning. Yeah, Rebel washed. Nikita, yeah. Yep. Nikita Mazepin had a damaged fuel pump, which was obviously a car issue, also on Thursday morning. Fernando Alonso had a dry, hydraulics issue with his car on Friday morning, which meant they were out of action for the rest of the day. Pierre Gasly, he was probably the first one to actually have something with driver error. I think it was a crash, um, and he sort of diffed up his front wing. Um, Guan Yuzhou had a spin, which put him in the gravel, and also a small hydraulic leak, which both caused like two pretty much consecutive red flags. And then Sebastian Vettel had an oil leak on his car on Friday as well. So there you go. Nice summary. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for the information. No um, drama. I think Perez probably came from Verstappen doing 400,000 laps the, the day before, <laughs> to be honest. So um, there, there's that. But I mean, we, we said games start, have started there's... already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Verstappen's just like, yeah, I'm going to break this gearbox before Perez gets in it. Yeah, I'm sure that's not the case. But um, just for people that don't understand sarcasm uh, or jokes in general, uh, on Twitter, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so I think in general, we spoke about the reliability, didn't we, at the top. I don't think it's anything crazy what's gone on. Um, I think obviously Alfa Romeo had some pretty poor uh, running in terms of, at least for Bottas's side, he did like 53 laps over three days, which is you know not enough for someone that's trying to get a handle of, of the new of the new car. Um, but generally speaking, obviously it was a shame for Alpine to lose a whole day's running, but they had had a great day's running before. Generally, it was just Alpha and Haas that needed a lot more miles, considering um, their struggles from last year. And as for first impressions of Joe on track, obviously he made that mistake, but seemed all right got a decent amount of mileage there's not really much more you can say because we haven't seen him on track we haven't really seen any on boards or how he drives the car uh, all we know is he had a spin had a reliability issue um, but you know most of all he didn't bin the car uh, and yeah joe was all right yeah in terms of like when you joe it's difficult because yeah we didn't see anything uh we couldn't actually see any of the footage and I feel like people are just so desperate for him to to fail. I hope he proves a lot of people wrong because I feel like uh, people are already sort of like trying to get the whole narrative of like, he's a rubbish pay driver. Haha, he crashes all the time. Like I saw loads of people tweeting like, uh, Guan Yu Zhou caused two red flags. And it's like, well, one of them was a mechanical issue, which is out of his fault. And yes, one of them was a mistake. But then also, so you know, have a spin. Like, yeah, Jesus. Pierre Gasly also you know, like as Katie uh, put it, biffed it into the wall. Um, so, yeah, you know, they're pushing, you know, if, if he, I get it, if he'd, if he'd spun off seven, eight times in testing or whatever and kept crashing and whatever, then yeah, fair fair play to like roast him and say he's terrible. But um, just so far, can't really say until we get to, to qualifying and he's doing everything he needs to do. Yeah, so. he's just a young lad who's 
got his first F1 opportunity um, and he's not exactly a terrible driver. We've seen him do really well in F2. Yes, he's in a competitive field. So there are others above him in the championship standings for F2. One of them, you know, won it last year, hasn't got a seat and everybody is, you know, rightfully upset about that because the progression from F2 to F1, there's still not enough of it in my opinion, but yeah, I'm really excited to see how um, Guan Yuzhou gets on this year. And, you know, yes, he had a little spin, but big deal. Like, he's, it's not like he's destroyed it and gone into the wall and the car's been written off for the whole three days. It was a little spin. He's pushing. He's trying to find the limits of the car. It's better that he does it now than in, uh, you know, qualifying in Bahrain. So, yes, I'm looking forward to seeing him this year in F1. Yeah, good. A, a minor Katie rant there. Enjoyed it. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, a little uh, bit came up. I was like, no, suppress. No, 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 don't, <laughs> don't suppress. But no, I think it's unfair to, to have a go at him just yet. Like, he's literally just gone into Formula One. <laughs> it's completely different philosophy to anything he's ever driven. You know, ground effect, etc. Of course, a lot of the you know, same for a lot of the drivers, but at least they have experience of being in Formula One, dealing with that pressure. I think if he continues to, you know, if he has crashes, you know, in, in the next test and, you know, into the season, that's when criticism can obviously uh, be be warranted. But your first spin, like, come on, chill out. Like there's if he'd like completely destroyed the car as you say Katie then again we can go right well obviously you've been pushing too hard that's not what you need to do but a spin causing a red flag getting your car back to the pits whoop de do whoop de do next question Jant G Beton says or asks which team impressed you the most so far Ferrari Tommy knew that was coming he was literally yeah. he was literally smiling before uh, before I'd even said anything but genuinely though genuinely obviously the most mileage uh, was completed by Ferrari most mileage was done by signs I think as well in terms of driver and they just looked pretty bulletproof uh, in that first test and not much more you can really say I was very much you know conducting the Ferrari hype train from the get-go and we're very much off the you know off the platform and we're and we're moving steadily towards the next test. Uh, other teams, obviously Mercedes were looking strong as well in terms of their mileage. Um, obviously, it's difficult. You can't say impressed in terms of times because you know, there's plenty of not pushing going on. Uh, but you have to you have to just judge it on the mileage. And you know, Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, all looking. McLaren as well. Good. I think it's a great shout. Yeah, yeah. There's not really much more to elaborate on that apart from those top four that we're referring to them as now. I think they've all the looked really four. really strong. So. Yeah, for me, Ferrari were most impressive, but we wait to see. And I guess, yeah, for me, it's Ferrari, maybe followed by McLaren in terms of them being closer uh, to it. But as Lando said, you know, he was annoyed by being first because he didn't want the hype. <laughs> uh, I The only rumor, like, I don't know how, how much truth there is into this, but there's obviously a lot of talk and there always is of like, you know, Mercedes haven't even bought their real car yet and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see next test, uh, especially because we can actually just get to, stop. We I was gonna get say, to see, stop see to the see. next test full stop. Yeah, exactly. Um, how they do on, on track. And I think we'll get more of an indication, a lot more of an indication uh, after the final day in Bahrain where we're at than we are here. But if I had to pick one, I'd say Ferrari as well. Good lad, your check is in the <laughs> Thank post. <you>. Lovely <laughs> stuff. Uh, right, that is that is it. Uh, we are done here uh, for this podcast. On Friday, we're going to be predicting the Constructors' Championship order from 10th to 1st. So make sure you join us for that episode. From house to Mercy. I was going to say, from 10th <laughs> to 5th, because well, you know what Thomas is for the 1st. 
Uh, but no, look forward to that uh, a little bit later this week. Uh, make sure you give us uh, five stars on podcast apps. Give us a like, comment if you really had great fun. And also it's your last <laughs> chance to vote for us in the Sports Podcast Awards as well. So there'll be a link in the description, I imagine, or in the comments or somewhere around there where you can go and break their website for the 17th time. So that is uh, good stuff. Uh, final thoughts, Tommy? You thought I was signing that straight? Oh, no, I forgot. Um, final thoughts. I'm looking forward to seeing some on-track action in Bahrain and hope you enjoyed as much as we could do uh, with what we had in providing you the updates. So you at least know a little bit, even though this podcast we've just gone, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> at least we're honest. Yeah. Katie, final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Yeah, just thank you to everybody that joined us at some point over the last three days or well, the three days of testing. Um, it was genuinely a joy to interact and engage with you all for 24 whole hours. Um, and yeah, ready to do it all again for Bahrain. Yep. So uh, news <laughs> just in, but for the next test, we're doing a 72 hour nonstop live stream. You'll even see us going to sleep and uh, just for the whole whole three days. That sound good, guys? Yeah. <laughs> not the case no but uh, we will Woo! we will confirm what we're doing for that uh, very yeah. soon but yeah thank you everybody for watching and listening we'll see you soon uh, for another video bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. bye.